he killed this particular Coptic. And like that he had to flee Egypt because the law enforcement was after him and behind him. So he went and he landed up and he uh, found himself in Madhya, the lands of Madhya, where Shu'aib alayhi salatu was residing. Eventually he married the daughter of Shu'aib alayhi salatu was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looked after him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then gave him two directives, two instructions. What were these two instructions? O oh Musa, go back to Egypt. Go back to Egypt and invite Fir'aun to the invite Fir'aun to the worship of one Allah. To the worship of one Allah. And number two, ask him to release Banu Israel in your custody. So Musa alayhi salatu wasalam left Madian and he came to Egypt. He proposed to Fir'aun these two directives that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given him and Fir'aun rejected both of his proposals. So he was left with no choice. He took the Banu Israel and they began their migration to the land of Sham. And now Fir'aun got wind of this. He came to know of the escape of the Banu Israel with Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. And naturally he was furious. So he took his army, his military, well-equipped soldiers, hundreds of thousands of them, and he went in pursuit of Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَأَتْبَعُوهُمْ مُشْرِقِينَ Fir'aun and his army went behind Musa alayhi salatu wasalam at the time of Ishraq. فَلَمَّا تَرَاءَ الْجَمْعَانِ Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that these two groups now came face to face with one another. Now, I want us to consider the very difficult situation that Musa alayhi salatu wasalam finds himself in. And this is where we draw our first lesson. Can you imagine Musa alayhi salatu wasalam trying to flee with thousands and thousands of people, the Banu Israel. Now, Fir'aun and his army catches up to them. Behind Musa alayhi salam, with him, normal, ordinary civilians. And in front of him is a brutal, tyrant, oppressive king, Fir'aun, with well-equipped soldiers, waiting for the word. Fir'aun just has to say, move, and they will attack, and they will finish every single person. Can you imagine the waves of emotions in the heart of Musa alayhi salatu wasalam at this particular time? What to do? What strategy to use? And to make matters worse for Musa alayhi salatu wasalam, qala ashabu Musa inna lamudrakun. The nature of Banu Israel, very manipulative, very uh, mocking in their nature. They began to taunt Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. They began to make remarks and condescending remarks against Musa alayhi salatu wasalam that, Oh Musa, this was a, a, a plan from your side. A plan that you hatched with Fir'aun to bring us to this point and to finish us off and to kill us. The very same people that Musa alayhi salatu wasalam is trying to save and bring into safe custody, they are the very same people who now start mocking and taunting Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. Can you imagine how desperate he feels in his heart and how helpless Musa alayhi salatu wasalam probably felt at this juncture? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspired Musa alayhi salatu wasalam to make a statement. What was the statement? He says, Never, inna ma'ya rabbi sayahdeen. My Allah, my Rabb is with me. My Rabb will guide me and my Rabb will look after me. And this is where we draw our lesson from. That we 
just like Musa alayhi salatu wasalam, when things become difficult, when things become very tight, when we feel that there's no escape, there's no way out, we should trust the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Musa alayhi salatu wasalam had a plan. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had a plan. Sometimes our plan can collaborate with the plan of Allah. And sometimes it will not collaborate with the plan of Allah. At that time we feel hopeless. We feel as though there's no way out. At that time, just like Musa alayhi salatu wasalam did, we trust and we entrust Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with everything. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's plan was that Fir'aun and his army be brought to this point. Musa alayhi salatu wasalam and Banu Israel will be given safe passage and Fir'aun and his people will be eventually drowned. This was the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the lesson is that we trust the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whenever we find that we are being divinely tested by Allah. Whether it is a sickness, whether it is a financial problem, whether it's a psychological problem, we must hand over to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and trust the plan of Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a beautiful plan for every single believer. La yukallifu Allahu nafsan illa wus'aha. Allah will not, never, Allah will never burden the soul beyond, however, beyond what it can bear and beyond what it can cope Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a plan for every single believer. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a plan for me. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a plan for you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a plan for the Muslims in Nabiya, for the Muslims of Morocco. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a plan for the believers who lost their lives in the war. In Gaza, in Palestine, those who are fighting, those who lost their lives, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had a plan for them. They were selected and handpicked by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to enjoy the mantle of martyrdom. Something that we should be asking for, something that we should ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for, because this is a position that is very, very high indeed in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to become a shaheed. Allahumma rzuqna shahadatan fi sabili. Oh Allah, grant us shahada in your path, fighting in your path. So Allah selected the souls of Gaza. These brave souls, men folk, the women folk, the children, to enjoy the mantle of martyrdom. This was the beautiful plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In a beautiful hadith, he enumerates the merits of a person who passes away as a shaheed. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says that a shaheed, when he passes away, before the first drop of blood is shed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives that person. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protects the shaheed from the trial of the grave and the test of the grave. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will protect that person on the day of Qiyamah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give that person the crown, the jewel and the ruby of which will be better than this entire world and whatever it contains. Authentic hadith. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will marry that person to 72 maidens of Jannah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give that person the permission to intercede on behalf of 70 of his relatives. And like the so many merits and virtues of those who pass away as shuhada. So the scene to the physical eye, to our eyes, might be that of chaos and destruction and anarchy. But in the real world, the world of the Akhirah, where our focus should always be, 
How will I say before Allah? How am I how am I going to account for my deeds before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That world, the real world, the world of the Akhirah, the scene for the Shuhada of Gaza, for those who pass on in the floods of Libya, in the earthquakes of Morocco and Turkey, for them it is the scene of peace. It is the scene of eternal bliss. It is the scene of victory and permanent enjoyment. And this is our yaqeen and our conviction in the words of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a plan for every believer. And that's where our focus should be. As I mentioned earlier, our focus should be towards the Akhirah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam speaking about focusing towards the Akhirah. He mentions in one hadith, مَنْ جَعْلَ الْهُمُومَ هَمَّا وَاحِدًا هَمَّا آخِرَةٍ كَفَاهُ اللَّهُ هَمَّا دُنْيَا That person who keeps or rather he, he, the worries of this world, the concerns of this world, he gears them towards one worry and one concern, the concern of the Akhirah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of that person's worldly affairs and worldly concerns. As we reach year in, many of us have so many responsibilities. We have our fair share of excitement and worries. Someone is writing exams, we are waiting for results to come out. Or someone is perhaps getting married and preparations are underway. Every person is busy in this time. Just two days ago, I found a friend of mine and uh, we were supposed to meet for an appointment. So he says, look, we're going to meet at 10 o'clock. So I said, okay, we'll meet at 10. But he said to me that because it's December period, everything in my business is held to scale. So give me about 15 to 20 minutes if I'm late. So everybody is very busy in the period of December and we all have our fair share of responsibilities and worries. And we have a project to finish, a deadline to meet. But Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is saying, despite all of these worries, despite all of these worldly concerns, let the overarching worry, overarching concern be that of the Akhirah. How am I going to fare before Allah? This is a temporary world. This world is a deception. How am I going to fare before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That worry should be at the front of our minds every single day. That should govern all the other worries. That should supersede all other worries of this world and this dunya. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says if you do that, then inshallah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will assist you in your affairs of this world. Coming back to our lesson, Musa alayhi salatu wa salam taught us that when our plan is not working out, we feel as though we are trying everything and it's not happening the way we want it to happen, then we trust the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the first lesson. The second lesson that we learn from the life of Musa alayhi salatu wa salam is that whenever he found himself in a very difficult situation, whenever he found himself in an unfavorable circumstance, he realized this was a test from the side of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, immediately he resorted to seeking the forgiveness of Allah. Reciting istighfar, seeking the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and in fact this was the practice of all the Anbiya alayhi salatu wasalam. Study the Anbiya alayhi salatu wasalam in the Quran, and see the du'as that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has recorded, the du'as. Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam, Rabbi ghfirli wa li walidayya wa lil mu'minina yawma yaqimu al-hisab. Again, seeking the forgiveness of Allah. Adam alayhi salatu wasalam, Rabbana zalamna anfusana, oh Allah, I have wronged myself. 
وَإِنَّمْ تَغْفِرْ لَنَا وَتَرْحَمْنَا If you don't forgive me, if you don't show me mercy, لَنَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ I will become from amongst the losers. Sulaiman, فَاسْتَغْفَرَ رَبَّهِ He sought the forgiveness of his Rabb. Nuh, alayhi salatu wassalam, رَبِّ اغْفِرْ لِي وَلِوَالِدَيَّ وَلِمَنْ دَخَلَ بَيْتِيَ مُؤْمِنًا وَلِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ وَلَا تَزِدِ الظَّالِمِينَ إِلَّا تَبَارًا And like the so many other Anbiya alayhi salatu wassalam, in fact, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam used to have a daily routine of reciting istighfar every single day. 70 istighfar according to one hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam's daily practice was to recite istighfar 70 times every single day. Ulama mentioned, وَبِهِ يُرْزَقُونَ وَبِهِ يُرْحَمُونَ وَبِهِ يُغَاقُونَ وَبِهِ يُنصَرُونَ The Anbiya alayhi salatu wassalam, they use reciting istighfar as a means to draw the help of Allah. We all need the help of Allah. They use istighfar as a means to draw the help of Allah, to draw the sustenance of Allah, and to draw the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the power of istighfar. In a hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, مَنْ لَزِمَ الْإِسْتِغْفَارِ That person who attaches himself to reciting istighfar abundantly, جَعَلَ اللَّهُ لَهُ مِنْ كُلِّ ضِيْقٍ مَخْرَجًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make every narrow situation wider and open for him. Allah will open it for him. وَمِنْ كُلِّ هَمِّنْ فَرَجًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will relieve him of every type of distress. وَيَرُزُقُهُ مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا يَحْتَسِرْ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will provide for him from unknown sources. A person will wonder, I just started my business today and I had nothing. A few months later, a few years later, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed me with so much. This is the power and the barakah of istighfar. Anbiya alayhi salatu wassalam, they use istighfar as the fuel for the vehicle of dua reaching Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when Musa alayhi salatu wassalam, when he was invited to Mount Tur, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to give him the Torah. In his absence, his people, persuaded by a person known as Samir, they began to worship the golden calf. When Musa alayhi salatu wassalam was informed of this, immediately he returned, and naturally he was upset. But realizing that this was a test from the side of Allah, even though that was not a crime that he committed, but immediately he turned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in forgiveness. What did he say? رَبِّ اغْفِرْ لِي وَلِي أَخِي وَأَدْخِلْنَا فِي رَحْمَتِكِ وَأَنْتَ أَرْحَمُ الرَّحِمِينَ He wanted the mercy of Allah to descend, but before that, he was mindful about seeking the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We learn from this. That it is important for us to attach ourselves to istighfar, especially when we want or we are desperate for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to answer our du'as. On one occasion, the great muhaddith, Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal rahimahullah ta'ala, the great scholar of his time, the founder of the Hanbali Madhub, in his advanced age, he was passing by a town and he wanted to rest because it was night time. So he came to the masjid and owing to his humility, he didn't disclose his identity to anyone. He came to the masjid and he says, I'll rest in the courtyard of the masjid. So he started resting, he lied down and the muaddin of that particular masjid then came to the masjid. And he saw that this person is lying down in the masjid. So he said to him, please brother, excuse yourself. No one is permitted to sleep in the courtyard of the masjid. So he said, okay. 
But he was so old, he reached an advanced age, and he was tired because of suffer and journey. So the muaddin had to practically drag him out, pull him out of the masjid. And as they are leaving the masjid, on the road there was a baker. A baker. And he sees what's happening in front of him. So he calls the muaddin. And he asks him, what's happening? So he said, no, this person is a passerby. He needs a place to rest. So he says, okay, uh, I'll be his host. He can come with me. He can sleep, sleep the night by me. So Imam Ahmad bin Ambal, rahimahullah ta'ala, like this, he spent the night at the baker's house. And he noticed that the baker had the habit of reciting istighfar a lot. And he noticed this habit in the baker. So in the morning before he departed, he said to the baker, tell me something. I observed you last night, you have a habit of reciting istighfar a lot. Have you seen any effect of this istighfar in your life? He says, yes. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has accepted all of my du'as. Except one du'a. So Imam Ahmad rahimahullah ta'ala asked what's this du'a? So he says, I always had this desire to meet the famous scholar Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal rahimahullah ta'ala. So Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal rahimahullah ta'ala was shocked. He was taken aback. And he says to this baker, he says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not only accepted your dua, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it such that I was dragged out of the masjid and Allah brought me to meet you. This is the power of istighfar. The power of istighfar, the, the fuel to our duas. And brothers, when we make istighfar, in the few minutes that we have, uh, when we make istighfar, our istighfar should be sincere. It should come from a very, very sincere place in our hearts. It should be sincerely repenting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for our mistakes, for our errors. And we will see that when we turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with a sincere heart, regretting our mistakes, regretting our actions, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will definitely, inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will assist us. There's a narration mentioned in the books of Hadith regarding a person by the name of Kifl. This person, Kifl, there was no sin except that he perpetrated it. And he fell in love with a woman and he proposed to her. She rejected her, his proposal. And eventually she got married and she had some children. And after some time she comes back to Kifl. And she says to him that I need some money, please assist me. So he says, no problem, I'll assist you, 60 gold coins, you want 60 gold coins, I'll give it to you, but you must fulfill my request. So she very reluctantly accepted. And the hadith says that when he sat with her, in the position that a husband sits with his wife, she expressed her discomfort. And she was looking very uncomfortable in that situation. So Kifl asks her, Akrahtuki, am I forcing you? Am I compelling you? She says, no, no. But this is such a deed that I have never ever done in my life. It is desperation that has brought me to this point. And this struck a chord in the heart of Kifl. Immediately he took a few steps back and he said to her, take the money and go. And immediately in those moments, he turned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in sincere repentance, sincere tawbah. And he says, Oh Allah, I will never ever return to my ways. And it so happened, Allah had destined it as such that Kifl passed away that night. He passed away that night. And when people came for his janazah in the morning, they came to his home. They found it written on the front of his door, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forgiven Kifl. 
Can you imagine an entire life of disobedience? But a few moments, sincerely turning to Allah, confessing our nothingness, confessing our weakness before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala changed everything. Speaking about istighfar, uh, a few weeks ago, alhamdulillah, we embarked on the collective amal of reciting istighfar. And this is just for inspiration. Alhamdulillah, we received the cards back and we haven't completed the counters yet. But alhamdulillah, we saw one card. A family in those few days recited 120,000 istighfar. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept it from that family. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspire us. Brothers, this is the power of istighfar. When we turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in dua, remember we must confess our weakness to Allah. Seek the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This was the practice of the Anbiya alayhi salatu wasalam. Today is the day of Friday when we raise our hands in those moments between Asr and Maghrib when it is hoped that our duas will be answered. Begin by confessing our weakness to Allah and reciting istighfar and seeking the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Insha'Allah, there is hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will change the situation for us personally and globally as an ummah.